welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Sean O'Byrne shares the work in Belize and his personal story with Christ Jesus. And now, here's Sean. Well, thank you so much. And good morning, everyone. I'd love to show you pictures and everything, but my laptop is sitting on my desk in Belize right where I left it in March. <laughs> so, but we have to keep it short today, so that's okay. Um, it is so good to be here and <clears throat> such a blessing to see many of you again and to see some of you for the first time. And uh, when Mr. Phil uh, was in touch, he said... Uh, been so long since you were here. Many of the folks hear your reports and see the pictures, but they haven't really met you, some of them. And so he thought it'd be nice to share a little bit of uh, my testimony and a little update from Belize. So I'm going to try and do that. And, you know, when we came up uh, the other day and I thought, wow, it has been so long. You know, I went to Matheson and they, there, there's no more bank, you know. And uh, there's no more fish in the lakes and, you know, hardly any gold left in the mines. And they even tore down the Golden Mile restaurant down the road where I proposed to Vera. So it's really getting rough. But hey, you still have all the black flies and, and the blueberries. So, so that's good. It really is uh, wonderful to connect with so many. So... Um, so I'll start with just a very brief update on Belize. We need to pray for Belize. And uh, that's where we've been serving the Lord for the last three and a half years. And um, we need to pray for them because uh, they were virtually COVID-free for even months. They had 19 cases for like two months. And they have just had a horrible outbreak. They've had 60 cases today and... They've gone up uh, over 400 now just in the last week. But the thing is, they're surrounded by other countries that have very high numbers and everything. So it's very hard on them. They are uh, very dependent upon uh, tourism. for the, It's their main industry. And so that country has been really devastated, along with many others. But uh, so economically, it's been devastating. And now with this new outbreak, um, psychologically it's hard on them and so they're back in lockdown and it's uh, it's quite harsh so need to pray for Belize <clears throat> our mission in Belize uh, very briefly um, first of all is to encourage the next generation uh, and we we try and do that uh, through equipping the saints and through uh, youth groups and uh, we have a, a study for guys called the Men of Grace. And, you know, one of the greatest joys that I had recently was a young man named Carmelito, who was part of our first uh, camp that we ran there, a little sports team, a team that we took down for a sports camp, and he was 12 years old. And so he has just come up so wonderfully and... He had joined the fellowship at Western Paradise, the little meeting outside of Belize City. And as a young man now, uh, 23 years old, I think now, and he's actually 
I helped him prepare and deliver his first sermon. So it was just so special. And now with this pandemic, it's really kind of forced him to, to help more. And so anyway, it's just encouraging to see the next generation taking uh, uh, on that role. We, we work, uh, Vera uh, works with a lot of the girls and ladies uh, with the mission of mercy and with the, the, the children and uh, just really mostly for us, it's mentoring and and uh, helping people uh, just however we can. We have um, teams that go to Belize. We've been working with what we call E-teams under MSC, Missionary Service Committee. And it's really just a, um, uh, basically it's like a hands-on uh, course in evangelism. <laughs> you have about uh, 2% theory and, and 98% practice. <laughs> Uh, but it's just working alongside the assemblies and we go into the schools. Uh, the schools in Belize welcome people to come in and share the gospel. And so we have different people share their testimony from Canada here. And and uh, we went into the prison again, uh, welcomed into the prison. And uh, so in many different ways, uh, we're trying to encourage uh, the work there amongst the assemblies. It's a struggling work. Uh, in many ways. And uh, so we <clears throat> didn't plan to be away. It was actually um, on my way to co-lead a, a, a trip to Israel. And when we landed in Canada, just a couple of days later, the pandemic hit. And so we've been stuck ever since. So we don't know when we'll get back. And we're going to be here till uh, October. And we're going to reassess. We may have to look at some kind of arrangement till next spring or something. We just don't know. So our aim is to go back, but we were um, planning a, a furlough in 2022. And so it may just, we may just have to move that up. So that's uh, Belize. Pray for Belize. Um, also for the, the Waltons who are still there. They chose to stay. And uh, so they're helping. They've been uh, in lockdown just like us here and doing Zoom meetings and so on. And uh, so, pray for uh, Belize. And we really appreciate the interest that many have taken and the, the support and the prayers. And uh, it's just so wonderful to have you here uh, behind us. And um, so, what I want to do now is share a bit of my testimony. And I'd like to invite you to Psalm 40, if you have your Bible, just a couple of verses to do that. Psalm 40. And this is where David is writing and he, he says, Psalm 40 and verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. And established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear. And will trust in the Lord. I'd like to just think for a moment about God as being our rock. It says here that he, he, he rescued me out of the miry clay. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. And then he put me, 
my feet solid on a rock. And uh, <clears throat> we had Awen and Elliot they, while we were down south. After a while, they were able to come over and stay over at Nana and Papa's. And we were reading the Bible one morning. And during our devotion, the Bible said that God is our rock. And so Elliot said, you mean God is made out of rock and stuff? <laughs> and so I was trying to explain to him that, you know, when, when days are tough and hard, that difficult, that God is always there and he is faithful and never leaves us. And I actually said, kind of like your dad, you know, never leave you and is always there. And so we're thinking about God is our rock. And I have a few thoughts, but I want to give to you this morning too, um, because I was thinking about this as I was thinking about God as our rock, just a little outline from Mr. D, okay? Um, like many of you, um, probably Mr. D officiated at our wedding 31 years ago and, and six weeks or something like that. And, and actually the Hooks, Dr. David and Vicki Hook were our photographers, along with uh, many other ways that they helped us. So we have so many connections here. But I want to give to you a little outline from Mr. D., uh, because he used to always come down to the Matheson Gospel Chapel once a month down in Matheson and he would open up a chapter of the Bible. And I learned more about speaking and preaching just from listening to Mr. D. And this is one of his outlines. So, the Lord is my rock. Number one, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock. Number two, uh, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. God says to Moses back in Exodus uh, 33:22. If you like the verses, the first one is Psalm 61, 1 to 4. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And then Exodus 33:22. I will put you in the cleft of the rock. That's where God said, I'm going to pass by. My glory is going to pass by. Because Moses wanted to see God. And he said, you can't. But my glory is going to pass by and I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. And, and as I go by, afterwards, I'll, I'll, I'll cover you there with my hand and then you'll see kind of like the afterglow. That's <clears throat> so that's in the rock. Number three, water from the rock. God had instructed Moses to strike the rock in the wilderness and he said that out would come water for the people there in the wilderness, parched and dying of thirst. And so we have water from the rock. And then this, uh, that's Exodus 17, 6. And then Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. He set my feet upon a rock. So we have to the rock, in the rock, from the rock, and on the rock. And that's from Mr. D. <clears throat> now this text that we read, David said he brought me up out of a horrible pit. And he set my feet upon a rock and he established my ways and he gave me a new song. So my outline for this one is he brought me up. He set me up. He tuned me up. Hallelujah. What a savior. OK, so very briefly, then I want to tell you how God brought me out of the miry clay. It's um, this is a good exercise, by the way, this times of the pandemic to get the preachers to chopped their sermons in half. It's funny how overnight uh, almost all the preachers became televangelists through Zoom. <laughs> but it has been a bit of a challenge, right? Because we've got to shorten things up. 
So, my story starts, I, I have an identical twin brother, and when I was about six or seven, my parents moved to a hippie commune outside of Guelph. And <clears throat> that's where my parents broke up. And us kids, we ended up kind of like a, a, a jigsaw puzzle with pieces all over. And so we were the broken pieces, and um, that's how life goes many, for many people. And my parents didn't know the Lord. My mom knows the Lord now. She was the first one saved in our family. The very first one, she heard the gospel in Matheson. And mom has been the, the rock of our family. And she's still evangelizing, handing out tracts to this day, although it's a challenge during the pandemic. Right, mom? They don't want to take them. <laughs> but at that time, my dad went out to BC and I stayed east, and, but we went back and forth. And I went by train, I went by bus, I went by plane, I hitchhiked. And as you can imagine, we just felt like we didn't fit, we didn't belong. And so, by the time I was a teenager, I, I went out west, lived with my dad for a while. And then, I went, came back east, and I didn't get along very well with my stepdad, because he liked to work all day. I didn't like that, particularly. <laughs> so I ran away from home, and I ended up in Toronto at my stepdad's ex-wife's boyfriend's. Okay? That was my life at that time. When I was about 14 years old. And so, at a very young age, I went back out west, and we all got into trouble. I was the high school dropout. I dropped out in grade 10. And I just didn't uh, belong anywhere. And so, we just uh, did the best we could. My dad went to... England, and I just ended up on the street at that time. So, at about the age of 16, I guess, around there. Well, when I ran away from home when I was 14, I ended up in Toronto. But, um, you know, I didn't have any direction in my life. I didn't know what life was about. But I was just a big party. And my older sister was uh, an exotic dancer. My other older sister was a drug dealer loosely associated with the Hells Angels. And <clears throat> I think I'm alive today partly because of a connection that had to do with that. It's a whole other story. But it's amazing that I think that God had His hand on my life even before I was saved, protecting me. And my other older brother, he was a, a heavy metal guitarist playing in all the clubs. So we just kind of floated amongst all of that in Vancouver. And my life just spiraled out of control. And I was just like this picture of a, a pit where you're in the miry clay. I was hopeless and helpless. And my life had no direction. I didn't, I had, and I had no purpose. And then um, my girlfriend, she was an exotic dancer as well. She overdosed on drugs and died. And that was a, a moment that kind of touched my life because I didn't know how to process that. I don't think she did it on purpose. I think it was an accident. I wasn't with her at the time, but she was only 18, maybe 19 years old, probably 18 years old. And she stepped into eternity. And I didn't know how to process that. And I, I went into a bit of a depression and I didn't know how to handle that. 
And so that was my life back then. And I ended up on this, on, I ended up at four in the morning at a, a party when the party's over on the floor in a pile of cigarette butts and beer cans and vomit. And I didn't even know who I was. And I stumbled home and I went into a depression in the apartment I was in. And I had no, no, no purpose. I didn't even know what to do. But at that time, my mom began to write me letters. Well, before that, my mom had become a born-again Christian. I didn't know what that was. I thought she joined a cult. <laughs> but she wrote me letters. And in these letters, she said all kinds of things and I didn't understand it and I frankly didn't want to spend much time reading it over. But at the end of the letter, it said, Son, I'm praying for you. And I want to tell you, those words, they impacted me. Son, I'm praying for you. She said, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I'll tell you what, I'm standing here today because of the prayers of my mom. I know that. And she never gave up on me. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. And so I, I, that's the first time I heard about being born again. But I, th- I didn't know what had happened. So anyways, I got my welfare check and I got onto a bus. I didn't have anywhere to go. And mom said, you can come out here. So I bought a ticket with my welfare check and I headed for Timmins, Ontario. I didn't even know where that was. And I landed here in Timmins in uh, 1985. And it was a culture shock. Not for me, but everybody who met me. <laughs> I had hair down to here. Okay. Chains around my neck. Leathers, skulls, the whole nine yards. And I uh, came home. And my mom loved me. She, and, and then she said, you're going to come to Maths and Gospel Chapel. I said, what's that? And I went for the very first time and I went to Matheson Gospel Chapel and I met John McLaughlin. Some of you will have known John McLaughlin. He was like 129 years old and, and uh, he's been there forever. And you know what? He just took me in and uh, they looked right past all of the paraphernalia on me and just loved me for who I was. And I heard the gospel for the first time. And I, I went to a meeting and Garnet Cooney was preaching. And he was he was preaching from Isaiah 53 and <clears throat> Luke 15. And I heard the gospel and I understood it for the first time. And I was sitting there hearing words from Scripture that sounded strange to me. But it was like, how does he know all that stuff about me? <laughs> and I was sitting in the meeting and it was like everybody else disappeared. Really, literally, it was like everybody disappeared. And it was like, he's talking about me. How does he know that? And the Word of God just entered my heart. It just, I knew it was true. I fought at first. I argued with my mom. How could you join this stuff? You know, I know you. And mom would talk to me and I said, well, mom, you, you know, and I'd argue with her. But then when I heard the message and at the end of the meeting, I was just crying. And uh, the preacher came and he sat with me. He didn't say anything. He just sat with me. And I knew it was true. And I knew that I needed to get saved. And I didn't know everything. I didn't understand everything. But I understood that I was a sinner and that in my condition, I was not ready for heaven. I could not be acceptable to God. And I heard about the wonderful news that God loved me just the way that I was. And I couldn't believe it. 
that God could love me, knowing all the things that I had done everywhere that I had gone, all of what I was. And I knew it was true. And so I went home and we lived in a shed at that time. I would go to bed at night and I'd wake up in the morning. My glass would be frozen. <laughs> my glass of water would be frozen. But, you know, it was August at that time. And I didn't go to bed. I didn't go to sleep. I went out in the back field and I prayed for the first time in my life. And I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to talk to God, but I did. And I, I don't remember everything I said, but it was basically, Lord, take the steering wheel of my life. I made a wreck of it. <laughs> and I gave my life to God. And there were no fireworks. There was no, you know, big flash of light. There wasn't some big dramatic thing. But I'll tell you what, for the first time in my life, I had peace. I had peace in my life. I had this deep-seated satisfaction that I could never find in anything else. And I had joy. And it, God changed my life. And you know, we've heard these words for so many years. Amazing grace. He touched me. Born again. Well, I want to tell you this morning, it's real. God changed my life. Now, the next day, I, I still had long hair. And I was still smoking. And I was still swearing. <laughs> but I'll tell you the difference. When I did swear, oh, it hurt. There was something inside me that said, that's not, not right. You know what that was? The Holy Spirit had come into my life. And, of course, everybody didn't understand what was going on. And I didn't really know how to tell people about the Lord or anything. But I began to tell all my friends. They're like, oh, man, what's happened to you? And it's amazing. You know what? In the space of three weeks, I lost most of my hair and half my vocabulary. <laughs> and God was working on me. God was working on me. And it was at that time that I, I got my first Bible and I began to read the Bible. And I couldn't get enough of it. I just began to read and read and read. And then John McLaughlin just took me under his wing and he taught me how to pray and how to, you know, how to live the Christian life. And he became like a, a, a rock in my life. And he mentored me and he helped me and he became kind of like my dad, you know. And he helped me to work on the rough edges and stuff like that. And so God slowly began to, to, to change my life. It's just as we were hearing about in the, the SNN. Or is it, no, SSN, sorry. Can't get that wrong. <laughs> God can change a life. And that's what God did for me. And you know, every time when I, I give my testimony, I try and communicate to people that our testimony is not so much what we were. It's what we are in Christ. And that's because I, I meet some people and say, wow, I don't have a testimony like you. And they might have grown up in a Christian home and never known any of this stuff. And I say, you have a better testimony than me. Because God delivered you from that. You didn't have to go into it and experience any of that. And so our testimony is the fact that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. And so that's how God changed me. I didn't understand it all, but I knew enough to know that Jesus died in my place and he was uh, the sacrifice for my sins. Theologically, I didn't understand it all, but I, I knew that I needed to surrender my life to God and give it to him. And the rest, of course, is history. So from there, it moved fast, um, started to help at Sunday school and went to Northland Bible Camp. <laughs> and that's where I met uh, Vera. She was there at... Uh, uh, senior camp, and that's 
I didn't meet her there. She was at Quartha Lakes Bible College. And I call it Quartha Lakes Bridal College now. But <laughs> back in the day. So somebody said I needed to meet her. And I said, oh, sure. And I did. And the rest is history. But um, I met Vera. And <clears throat> God slowly worked in her lives. And um, I knew that I was saved. There was a couple of reasons. I met my twin brother came to visit. And uh, we would talk and talk and he'd say, what is it with you? You won't argue with me anymore. <laughs> me and my brother used to be like this, you know, at times. And my brother would say, what is going on? You don't argue anymore. And uh, not only that, but I got a job. <laughs> Never done that before in my life. And so God opened up the door and I worked for uh, Tony Martin Sr. in housing and then I got into Leo Allery and Sons and tree planting, all kinds of stuff. I never worked before in my life and God helped to, to uh, work into me um, a life that's worth living. And <clears throat> we ended up going to Quartha Lakes Bible College. It was the best year of my life and I came back and I wanted to be a missionary. There was a missionary that came and spoke at our chapel and I was like, okay, I'll go. Me, me, I'll go. <laughs> and it was like, it was just like, well, of course we would go because Jesus has asked us to go. And then um, God brought people into my life like Gary McBride and he sat me down and he said, you know, uh, this is wonderful and we can start, but in the meantime, you've got to get a job. That, that's when I started to work in, in earnest. Uh, but he said, no, you can't just go. God has to work in you a little bit. And it was 10 years uh, before, from the time I got saved till the time we went to Guatemala. It was 10 years. And while I was unemployed once, the, the, the unemployment insurance says you can go to Northern College. So I went to Northern College and became a nurse. It was like, I don't want to do this. I'm trying to get to the mission field. But no, it was like a stepping stone. And it wasn't my calling, but it was a good thing to do. And God used that. And there's a thousand other stories that I could tell you. But uh, in 1995, we did go to Guatemala. And we were there a total of six years. And <clears throat> we came back. And our children were so very, very proud of them. And uh, I, was, I got my two sons here. And they're both extremely skilled carpenters. And Jeremy serves on the oversight at the Missionary Alliance Church in Toronto. Toronto Alliance Church. Very active, him and his wife and there on that pastoral team and very active. And my daughter is a nurse. She's carrying on the tradition. <laughs> it's about four generations or five or something in her family. So, um, so God blessed us and we, we went back to the mission field in Belize. But because of the Spanish connection, we learned Spanish. God seemed to kind of um, tweak our ministry a little bit to include other countries like Guatemala and where we were and Honduras and then Cuba. And Steve Adams from MSC invited us to go to Cuba and minister there because we enjoy a very unique uh, relationship that we can go there the Americans can't very easily. So for seven years, over the past ten, I guess, we've gone there for a month at a time and ministered to little assemblies in, in Cuba. And they're suffering too. 
oh boy, and right now, especially with the pandemic, they talked about lineups that are kilometers long, and there's nothing really there to find when you get to the end. And um, so anyways, God has been working in our lives, and um, I can just say that my life was like black and white. I didn't really have a life, but then the Lord came into my life, and completely changed me and gave me a life that is worth living. And all I can say is that I believe the Lord is coming. But even if he doesn't come for another hundred years, we only have one life. And it will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. And one of our mottos is, is Jim Elliott's. He is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And so I don't know if you've done business with God or where you are in your spiritual journey, but you can never you can never ever go wrong by just surrendering to the Lord and saying, Lord, I trust you. And whatever situation you're in, He can bring you up and He can set you up and He can tune you up and make you into a person that He can use in whatever situation you're in. So there's just a few uh, thoughts to try and communicate to you how the Lord came into my life. And I just thank you for the opportunity to, hear, to be here and to see you. And I know uh, many of your, your own are probably not here this morning, but please know that we value your prayers and your support and your fellowship and kindness very, very much. And we look forward to seeing you again too soon in the will of the Lord. Thank you. Yes, sir. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for the blessing of meeting together. And Lord, it has been a challenge for your people around the world. And Lord, we're just thankful that you are everywhere. And this pandemic didn't take you by surprise. Lord, it has changed the world in many ways. But Father, we hear too of Many people, uh, more people at Zoom meetings than ever before at, at going to church. And we pray, Father, that you will use uh, this pandemic to speak to many people, Lord, of how uncertain life is and how important it is to know where we will spend eternity. Father, humanity has been infected with a virus much worse than COVID-19. Lord, the virus of sin is uh, eternal. And uh, we thank you. For the cure that we have. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Father, for this time that we've had like an oasis um, in our lives to be here and to sing these songs, Lord. We can't begin to put into words how you rescued us, how you brought us up, Lord, out of the miry clay. We were stuck. We had no recourse. We had no hope. But you lifted us up just like the Lord Jesus extending his hand to Peter in the raging waves and pulled us up. Lord, we're so thankful that we now stand upon a rock. Our feet have solid footing and we can walk for you. So, Father, I thank you for your people here and I just pray for your local body here, Lord, that you bless them and encourage them in the many ways that they're reaching out to their community. And, Father, each one, you know the trials and the troubles that we're all going through. And, Lord, we... Thank you that we have a recourse. We have your word. We have your presence, Lord. We have prayer. 
We have so many things, Lord, in Christ that can never be taken away. And so we just look to you and pray that you bless each one now as we part. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.